Good morning. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. And uh, to those of you who are new to the show, or I haven't recorded my uh, my my lead-in with uh, my good friend Mike, my producer. Thank you. Um, I go through the, the the over the course of the week and uh, read voraciously. Read Barron's, The Economist, The Wall Street Journal. Frankly, so you don't have to. And um, uh, anything that I encounter that I think is useful, that can be uh, acted upon and invested in, that's my, my main focus. So I try to cut the wheat from the chaff for you so that um, uh, I, del- I deliver value in about 30 minutes or less. My tagline is, is how to understand money and markets in 30 minutes or less, and I hope I deliver on that. Starting off this week, uh, it's a tweet from David Keller. You can see it here. And this is uh, uh, illustrative for a number of reasons. First reason I want to point out is anytime you see a chart, you should reference the time frame that is deployed in that chart. Uh, The longer uh, term nature of charts, the more impactful and meaningful support and resistance levels are. I'll get into that if, if, if you'd like. But here... David points out that uh, we've seen the weekly RSI, Relative Strength Index, uh, remain above 40. And anytime uh, I see a chart where an extreme has been reached on the top, which we did back in, in, uh, in February of this year, but we haven't hit levels of, of really meaningful bottoms, i.e. 08, 1974, 1932. Now, history repeats itself, but with rhymes. And this might not be the case. I want to be wrong. I don't want to see this go to those kind of extreme levels. And given the fact that the Federal Reserve is acting entirely different than they did in the 1929 to 1932 scenario, uh, where they're just flooding the market with liquidity, I hope this turns out better. But just be prepared that uh, sell-offs, as he says, uh, can get a lot worse. And my stance is, is just common sense. If you go up for 11 years like we did, it's unlikely that you're going to go down for two months and be done with it. So just uh, uh, you know, be careful out there. Stephanie Pomboy uh, uh, had a nice tweet out this past week. Very thoughtful lady, in my opinion. Um, and uh, this is the, the oil-gold ratio, or better yet, the gold-oil ratio. And you can see that this is absolutely uh, off the charts, almost literally. And her point is, is that oil is likely to join gold on the upside. And I know that doesn't seem likely given the news of the last couple of days. But we're at a really historical extremes. And I like to give context as much as possible, especially since I've been doing this for 30 years. This is my fourth bear market. And uh, I like to highlight uh, uh, opportunities when I see them. Now, I own, full disclosure, I own no oil ETFs right now, uh, own a tiny amount of gold, wish I had more. Um, so I'm, I'm not, if I'm talking my book, I'll tell you I'm talking my book. The uh, oil, it's too early to get into the oil ETFs, the energy service companies, but boy, I'm digging around. I'm digging around because I think that the sentiment is so negative that we're, we're poised for some, some, uh, uh, at least bounces at some point. Uh, Sarah from Boston uh, uh, asked, what is the beige book? Saw it on CNBC and said, what's the beige book? Beige book is the, the uh, publication the Federal Reserve puts out 
about economic conditions across the 12 Federal Reserve districts. And uh, a lot of it is very anecdotal uh, interviews, a lot of uh, qualitative sort of studies. Uh, that's what it is, and I'll, I'm going to put it in, in, in context for me. I've never found anybody who can take the beige book information and then go invest in XYZ companies uh, or ETFs profitably. Uh, if you own stocks, you own pieces of businesses or pieces of countries or pieces of commodities. And I just simply haven't been able to take the economics from 10,000 feet and bring them down into, I want to buy this particular company right now. So I think it's important. I think it's valuable. I think the Fed needs to use it as they set monetary policy. But the beige book, to me, really should be very minor in, in your investing decisions. Um, Walter Deemer. Uh, had a great quote out uh, this week, and boy, do I believe this fervently. Uh, the only thing I have a strong conviction about right now is that nobody should have a strong conviction about anything right now. And uh, I, as I mentioned in my, my uh, presentation, it's up on my YouTube channel back in September, uh, I didn't uh, obviously forecast coronavirus, and I didn't forecast a February top. What I did say was it was the oldest bear market, oldest bull market in history. Hadn't seen that before. We hadn't seen interest rates cut in half before. We hadn't seen $17 trillion in negative yielding debt before. And uh, I thought that given all those, that any Monte Carlo simulations that your advisor is, is creating doesn't have those in the database. It's just, it's unprecedented. So given that, own a little more gold, own a little more, uh, a little more cash. That's all. Uh, and I think obviously that, that, that has uh, served well. And so uh, if I come up here and, and have wide-reaching proclamations, I want you to call me on it because I think it's a crazy time and um, we don't know what we don't know and have to proceed accordingly. Uh, this is interesting from Tom McClellan, does some really great work. And uh, make a long story short here, when QE has been launched, it's been bad for bond prices. And uh, that means if yields go up, bond prices go down. So uh, uh, it's an inverse correlation. With this last round, which is crazy, the amount of... of, of uh, money the Fed is injecting into the system and taking interest rates down to zero. Uh, the thought of bonds being uh, a, a big performers from here with the tenure at 65 basis points is, um, uh, is pretty late. Uh, Mike, is it possible to, to get the Barron's article up in this link? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is Mike Wilson, my producer here at Sweet Productions, and... Um, uh, Mike, if I uh, get off the rails, you tell me. Okay? I got you, man. I got you. I appreciate that very much. This is, this is I think, helpful. Uh, Eric Savitz in Barron's this week talks about uh, Zoom, a number of things, but talks about the stocks that have been working well in this environment, the stay-at-home stocks, if you will, the Pelotons and the Zooms. Uh, Zoom is now $150. It is uh, a $42 billion market cap, and... 
uh, is at 45 estimated sales. That's expensive. I don't care what it is. And uh, it might be worth that. Uh, but my what it, it triggered for me was the recollection of September 11th. Uh, I was uh, in Midtown Manhattan, not at the at Ground Zero, but I was I was there September 11th, and I did what a lot of us did, went back and said, well, who's going to benefit from this? And we did a lot of work on the defense stocks, and the the stock market is such an efficient discounting mechanism that that was priced in really rapidly, and I don't know how the exact numbers in front of me. But making money in defense stocks when it was so darn obvious uh, uh, didn't work out very well. And so I, I caution you that if you have obvious quarantine plays, for lack of a better term, watch them carefully. Watch them carefully. And we can go through the cell discipline, Mike, if you, just, if you want to. We have time at the end, uh, which I, I think has been helpful. The other part of this is uh, because of, of the 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 emotions surrounding all this, all we might be doing is bringing in a future demand into, into the last one or two months. Uh, the chances are you're not going to go through all your Campbell soup uh, uh, that, you, that you bought. So uh, just be careful out there. And uh, uh, if you want to talk about any specific ideas, Mike, if you have specific ideas, I'm, I'm all ears. We'll go into that too. Um, this next story is from is from Barron's again. Mike, if you can pull that up. Yep. This is from uh, Reshma Kapadia. I'm hoping that I pronounce your name correctly. Um, and she interviews uh, Tiffany Sow, uh, manager of, of the Matthews China Small Companies Fund. And I thought this was really interesting. Yes, she's talking her book. We all do it. Uh, uh, but uh, I was struck by these quotes. Everyone at the companies we own is back at work. And that isn't talking to a government official. That's probably talking to the CEO and CFO of all these companies. And I think that's uh, interesting and a bit hopeful given the, uh, uh, the corona situation. Uh, and I didn't realize this. Uh, Chinese small caps comprise the world's largest small cap asset class, surpassed the U.S. two years ago in terms of liquidity, number of stocks listed, and total market cap listed, and if you're worried about liquidity, Chinese small caps are much more liquid than the U.S. and have done much better year to date. Again, I don't own anything in China, uh, uh, given the the uh, you know the source of the virus. Uh, I'm sure that's really unpopular, but uh, I am looking for for ways to to um, participate in this at some point down the road. I'm not there yet. And uh, again, I do this chronologically, so uh, I will interject every now and then things that I'm doing, my wife and I are doing, uh, uh, to stay sane and entertained during this shut-in. Uh, and I have to uh, recommend The Chef Show on Netflix. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, John Favreau is, I call him the Rudy guy. He would probably hate that if he heard that, but he was Rudy's sidekick. And uh, Chef Roy Choi, who I don't know that well, but it's a fantastic show. Uh, they they uh, bring in a lot of celebrities and, and do a lot of really hands-on uh, uh, work in the kitchen. I just think it's fantastic. Uh, uh, binge watch till 1 o'clock in the morning last night. The Wolfgang Puck episode is, is fantastic. 
the Seth Rogen uh, episode is terrific. And I mean, I just, isn't that the only way to really watch Netflix is to binge it? I, I yes, it's they they do the teas really well, oh, and yeah. and uh, I've never they like potato chips. You can only they eat, set it up so you actually have to stop the next episode from coming up. Yeah, no, exactly. I, 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 we uh, uh, were watching Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. and uh, it took the end of the season for us to turn the damn thing off. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's remarkable. Uh, th- this next uh, segment is called Much Needed Levity, and uh, uh, Mike and I were talking before the the show, and there's a lot of negative news, obviously, out there. There's a lot of negative uh, stock market news, obviously, and uh, I refuse to, to have you come here and then, you know, be despondent when, when you leave. I'm a pretty optimistic uh, guy. And um, and this will, will will bring a smile to to your face. Dave Chappelle, uh, you probably know him. It, it, there's obviously some salty language and some controversy, but he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The the show um, uh, uh, where he accepts the Mark Twain Prize is epic. Uh, Neil Brennan, who used to write for him, is is absolutely terrific and kills it. And so uh, in this time where we do need much-needed levity, here you go. Uh, the Dave uh, Chappelle special is, is absolutely terrific. Mike, uh, put up the Bespoke Invest chart for me, please. And this, uh, this I risk getting into the weeds here, but I'm going to do it. Um, this shows the, 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 the peak in the S&P, the low uh, where again we declined rapidly, 33 percent in uh, in in 34 days. It's it's unprecedented. But these are these are uh, they're called Fibonacci levels. Uh, I won't go into all the details. If you want, we can talk in future episodes about that. But these are logical places where stocks bounce. Uh, sometimes it's called a dead cat bounce. A little morbid and a little visual, but you get the idea. <laughs> Um, and we're, we're right around the 50% mark right now, and that's a very logical place when you go down that rapidly to bounce to. Um, we also, again, getting into the weeds a bit, we uh, are between 2,800 and, and, and 3,000 on, on the S&P, 280 and 300 on the SPY, the ETF, uh, there's a lot of resistance, and so the 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 volume is, is is really light as we approach these. So again, I would just uh, anything that that you think is lower quality, suspicious, poor balance sheet, uh, has a risk of a dividend being cut. I would put that as a sale candidate, and uh, and and feed stronger ideas going forward. Mike, can we put up the James Altucher link. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you very much, as always. Um, James Aldercher is consistently one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and by the way, I'd like, I want you to tell me things that you see that you think that I should be paying attention to and I can share with, 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 with my uh, audience. But um, this was fascinating. This is Jim McKelvey he interviewed. Uh, he's the co-founder of, of Square, so a billionaire. And he's also the deputy chair of the St. Louis Federal Reserve. And I haven't come across any major corporate people that are that high up in the Federal Reserve, but maybe it's more common than, than I know. Um, and at 13 minutes or so, he mentioned that Square, PayPal, and Intuit 
have all been approved as non-bank entities facilitating paycheck protection programs. So I didn't know that. And if you have a business that's a candidate for PPP, uh, I would I would uh, certainly explore that. Um, and he also uh, points out that the SBA has been around forever and is antiquated and was not ready for this onslaught. The, the, the service crashed 40 times in the first day, uh, but it's dramatically improving, a, a, according to him. Oh, and please bring up this chart, Mike. In The Economist this week, in the midst of, of uh, this madness, um, this shows, and I haven't seen this before, this is daily cases of COVID, and I, I'm not going to make this uh, uh, another somber COVID, uh, the world is coming to an end, but it's, it's, these are seven-day moving averages of, of, of you know, most of the major countries, and it's declining. Uh, and, and I know that the, the news is bad, but, but uh, here in the U.S., Britain, Italy, uh, Austria, etc., the, 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 the daily cases are going down. And uh, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, I want you to be safe and smart. I want you to listen to Dr. Fauci, obviously. But there are good trends in place, and I feel obligated to, to, to share those. Um, next, Jim from Philly asked, uh, what's the difference between WTI and Brent? And boy, is this topical and became even more so. Um, uh, oil is, is, is going through the, the, the floorboards. Uh, the, the front month contract is now negative, meaning that, that the producers uh, are, are paying people with storage to take the oil off their hands. It's never happened before. Um, it, it makes sense given the fact that, that jet fuel and, and gasoline and diesel demand are plummeting, but it's, 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 a, it's crazy. It's a crazy time, and um, we'll see how this, this, this works itself out. There's talk about refilling the strate strategic petroleum reserve and things like this, but it is bad in the oil patch right now. Below zero right now, correct? Below zero. Wow. It's uh, never seen it. No one's seen it. And, Unprecedented. Uh, sorry? Unprecedented. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, uh, Jim asked about uh, the difference between West Texas Intermediate. That's, that's the, uh, it's called light sweet crude is in, in addition. The majority of that is made in the Permian, basist, Permian Basin in Texas. And uh, uh, the lower the sulfur content, the less costly it is to refine. And that's measured by the API Gravity, American Petroleum Institute. If it's greater than 10, it's lighter, it floats on water. The WTI's API Gravity is 39.6, Brent's around 38.06, uh, and that is a combination of 15 oil fields in, in the North Sea. Uh, OPEC is the sourest, and that's the average of Algeria, Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, etc. So Brent normally trades at a $4, uh, uh, sorry, WTI trades at a $4 premium to Brent, uh, and uh, OPEC is another dollar or two b below that. I hope that's helpful, Jim. Uh, they're all going down right now. It is, it is uh, uh, uncanny to see. Uh, my friends in Texas, uh, I, uh, you're in uh, my thoughts and prayers. Uh, uh, 
and again, it's going to take some time to work off this this uh, this oversupply. And again, I don't own any oil ETFs, and I wouldn't touch them for right now. But I'm fascinated by how uh, uh, contrarian and and uh, uh, bearish that play will be at some point. Um, uh, if you want to play a quarantine drinking game, uh, every time uncertainty is mentioned, especially on the financial shows, uh, you're going to get drunk. Uh, and my <laughs> stickler for, for the English language uh, that I am, uh, certainty doesn't exist. It's never existed. Uh, and if you feel you're certain, you're probably going to make a big investing mistake. So... Uh, and I, this is further uh, buttressed by Howard Marks, great uh, uh, investor. Uh, uh, his, his memos are superb. I recommend them highly. And he cites the ob- observation of Mark Lipsitch, uh, Harvard epidemiologist, relating his coronavirus thoughts to investing. And Lipsitz calls this informed extrapolation. And uh, Howard puts it pretty bluntly. Uh, America is seeing the... Uh, greatest pandemic since the Spanish flu of 102 years ago. Greatest economic contraction since the Great Depression. 80 years ago, uh, uh, the Great Depression was 80 years ago, obviously. The greatest oil price decline ever and the greatest central bank government intervention of all time. And you simply can't say how it will turn out. This is one of our more morbid shows, isn't it? Well, unfortunately, they're morbid times. I mean, yeah. how can you talk about current times without getting a little dark? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be more optimistic next week. I'm going to find something, even <laughs> if, I, if I have to. Um, then I, I just like this quote. Uh, Capitalism without bankruptcy is like Catholicism without hell, and that markets work best when participants have a healthy fear of loss. And let's face it. Uh, the last 11 years, it was a, a bull market, and we confused it with brains. And now we have to be more discerning. And um, uh, yes, there there are businesses that will fail. There are industries that will be really hurt. Um, and uh, uh, you know, a, a bit of uh, economic Darwinism is going to prevail. Um, and all I want you to do is is uh, you know be smart and uh, upgrade your your, your portfolio with uh, logical ideas that, that we come across. So um, to that end, The Economist this week talks about, especially James Montier of GMO, who did a brilliant job on the um, Barry Ritholtz Bloomberg podcast. And uh, uh, he points, and others, to, to the low relative valuations of emerging markets, currencies, and equities. And I didn't realize this. Taiwan and South Korea make up a quarter of the MSI index. China, another third. And uh, the author closes with spread your bets. And um, uh, again, I have not done anything with those regions yet. There are ETFs for all of them. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking and I'll report back when I see uh, promising um, uh, chart patterns to, to share with you. Uh, your ideas and feedback are always welcome. Please send an email uh, to me, kbaker at bakerresearchgroup.com. Uh, subscribe and review this podcast, please, at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, my YouTube channel. And please follow us on Twitter at Bakes underscore, at Bakes Takes underscore, pardon me. 
and uh, other social media. Thank you so much, and uh, I will see you next week. Take care now.